If you would turn with me to John chapter 11, we will be in John chapter 11 this morning. And as we are turning and finding John chapter 11, we go there because it is the Word of God. And we have the Word of God which gives us everything that we need for life and godliness that's found in Jesus Christ our Lord. Your close or closest friend is gone. Your parent, your spouse, one of your children are in the ground. And words cannot fully describe the grief and sadness that you experience or have experienced. That overwhelming trouble that comes upon you when death takes a loved one. I thought I had more time to spend with them. I thought I would die before they did. A longing to see them, to talk with them, to laugh with them, to touch them, to hug them, to see them again is completely gone. This is the state of two sisters that we read of this morning. There is grief that has come upon them because they have a close brother who has died. But this is also the state of all of Jesus' disciples and the followers of Christ on the third day when Christ um, was in the tomb. And as we read this text from John chapter 11 this morning, we see that Jesus is with His disciples. He is far away from where Mary and Martha and Lazarus live And Mary and Martha send a a note to Jesus and say, Lazarus, your friend is sick. And what we know from that is that Jesus and the disciples wait two more days before they head out to see Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Would you look with me at verse 17 of John chapter 11? Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that, whoever, that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. The Word of God. Do you know that you are so blessed this morning to have in print and on your device the Word of God that you can read in many different translations? But you have the words of God, the words of life, the words that answer all of your questions regarding life and death and eternity. And so we are so blessed to be able to open it and freely in this place read and pray that the Holy Spirit would give us understanding 
And so again, Holy Spirit, we pray and ask for understanding this morning. We praise you, Jesus. Bless the reading and the preaching of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus comes upon a scene in which, again, there is much grieving and sorrow and sadness. A number of friends have come and gathered with Mary and Martha to grieve over the death of their friend Lazarus. It says in verse 17 that Jesus, when he came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. You see, what had happened at this point, when you come to this fourth day, for those people, all hope is gone. All hope is gone for Mary and Martha and all of their friends because most of the Jews believed that after the fourth day, there was no hope of return from death. You see, the Jew, many of the Jews believed that the soul hovered over the body for three days, but on the fourth day, the soul departed. And so there's no hope. All hope is gone for Mary and Martha. They called out to Jesus, the one who does all these wonderful miracles. And they called for him to come, and he didn't. And he actually delayed. And he told the disciples there's a reason for that. And that's so that the glory of God would be seen. But there is hope that has been lost by these two sisters, maybe even some of their friends who have gathered with them. And you see in verse 21 and also in verse 32, both sisters ask Jesus the same thing. Martha comes to Jesus first. Mary stays at the house and then later comes out to go with him to the tomb. In verse 21, Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Mary says the same thing in verse 32. And as I read those statements, I wonder, are these statements of faith? Like, Lord, if you had been here... You would have saved him. He wouldn't be dead. Or were they statements of blame? Lord, my brother's dead because you didn't show up. We don't have the inflection. We don't know the way it's said there. We do know that they both believed in Jesus Christ, but it's a wonderful question to think about. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Again, crediting Jesus with the ability to save Lazarus, to heal They were close friends with Jesus. They would have known about all that he had done during the three years that we have recorded in Scripture and the Gospel accounts of where he healed. Like he made the blind that were born blind see. They had to have known about him raising the dead to life. And yet, here Jesus' friend Lazarus is laid in the tomb four days. All hope is gone. When you think about our lives, you think about our experiences, we know that death is real, death is final, and irreversible. I mean, if you take even just math, there's a 100% chance that you will die. If you look at all the medical studies, medical studies agree that everyone will die. Now, science hopes that there will be something in the future. That's why some people freeze their bodies or save their brains in a jar. Because they're hoping that one day they would be raised up with some new body because science uh, overcame something with medicine and all this and that. But if we could be honest for a minute, you and I know, whether you would admit it or not, that everyone dies. 
everyone at some point, your heart stops beating, your lungs stop breathing, your brain stops functioning, and you die. This is what happened to Lazarus. And Mary and Martha are grieving. And when you look at this account in John chapter 11, what this is, is this pointing to or this foreshadowing of what would happen to Jesus. Just a short time after this event in John chapter 11, Jesus gets on a donkey and rides into Jerusalem with a crowd with him and a crowd that meets him and they hail him as King and Messiah. They're excited and joyful because their king is there to set them free from Roman rule, to redeem them as a nation. And then for a week of what we've been looking at this week and and reading in scripture as we call Holy Week, the religious leaders who should have seen Jesus as the Messiah, they fight with him and argue with him for a week. And then you come to Friday as we gathered in here Friday night to celebrate Good Friday And we looked at the book of Philippians and saw what was written about the work that Christ did on the cross. That night, Jesus gathered with his disciples and they ate a meal together and they celebrated this Passover feast. And Jesus said, here's bread and here's cup and you're going to take this in the future and remember what I did for you. And they had no idea what he meant. And then they went out to the garden that night, and as he asked them to pray with him, he said, I call you my friends. They fell asleep three times while Jesus in the garden was agonizing with this grief for the fact that he would bear sin at the cross, and God the Father would pour out his wrath on the Son. And Jesus Christ was arrested that night, and he was taken away. And throughout the night, there was a series of illegal trials that were not allowed to happen by law at nighttime, but did, and false witnesses. And they punched him in the face, and they pulled out his beard. They kept him awake all night long. They beat Jesus. They mocked him. And then they brought him before a Roman leader, Pilate, that morning. And Pilate wanted to release him. He's done nothing wrong. Can't find any evidence against him, but they said no. And so he has Jesus taken, and they tie him to a pole, and they take leather straps with bits of sharp objects, and they whip his back repeatedly and tear open his back, and he's bleeding profusely. And then they put a robe on him, and they put a crown of thorns on him, and put a staff, which they beat him with, and the Roman soldiers mock him. And then all the people cried out, crucify him. And he tried to carry the crossbeam of his cross to the place of crucifixion, but failed on the way there because of strength, lack of strength, blood loss. Someone else carried that to the place of crucifixion, and Jesus was nailed there. And there he hung on the cross, and there he shed his blood for the sins of his people, And as he hung there, he cried out before he died, It is finished! And Jesus died, just like Lazarus. His heart stopped beating. His lungs stopped breathing. His brain stopped functioning. They took him down from the cross. They wrapped him in linen and spices, and they placed him in a tomb. And they rolled the stone and walked away. For the followers of Christ at that moment, all hope was gone. For Mary and Martha, their hope was that they would see Lazarus when Jesus showed up. 
For the disciples and the followers of Jesus, their hope, Jesus, King, Redeemer from Rome, and now he's dead. This evening at 5 o'clock, we'll be spending time in Luke 24. And here's what I read from Luke 24. Two of the followers said this to Jesus, not recognizing him. After the resurrection in Luke 24, 21, they said, But we had hoped that he, speaking of Jesus, was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all of this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. All hope for Jesus' followers that they would be redeemed from Rome is gone. So they go to their homes and hide. They go away. But if you look back at John chapter 11 here, Jesus does something to restore the hope of Mary and Martha as well as the people around them. And so the second thing we see is that hope is restored in verses 22 through 27. In verse 22, Martha and Jesus are interacting. Again, Mary's at home. She's still at home grieving. She doesn't go out even though she knows that Jesus has come. And Martha runs to Jesus and then interacts with him. Again, if you would have been here, Lazarus would not be dead. But what's fascinating is Martha believed in the resurrection. She believed in a day, especially at the end of all days, where there would be a resurrection. And here's what it says in verse 22. She says, but even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And she says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Do you see, she's asked, Jesus, if you would have been here, he wouldn't be dead. And then here you have this statement, no, I know he's going to be alive one day. I'll see him in the future. But again, all hope is gone. The fourth day, he's been in the tomb. His body has been decaying. And so for her, she's thinking of a future day. But yet, Jesus is there to restore hope and display the glory of God. In John chapter 5 is one of the many places that Jesus taught about the resurrection to come. It is right to believe and understand that there is a resurrection to come as we read from Scripture in John chapter 5, verses 28 through 29. Jesus says this, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear His voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Therefore, it is right to believe in the resurrection to come, that there is a judgment day that is approaching, and all who are found with faith in Jesus Christ will be with the Lord for eternity. And for all who have no faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, a eternity for them in the place of punishment, which is called hell, in which God's wrath will be upon them forever. Jesus repeatedly taught about heaven and hell and the day of judgment, as well as the day of resurrection, which he speaks of here to Martha. Look at verse 25. Here's the most important truth that every single person must understand because every person dies Jesus says this, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Now Jesus makes this statement, I'm the resurrection and the life. He's a hey, great statement. 
But if you miss the first part of it, the I am, the rest of it means nothing. It could just be some statement. Jesus says, I am, a title and a name that we've been looking at for the last six weeks. This term, I am, in the Greek, ego emi, it means I am, I am the resurrection and the life. Or the resurrection and the life, I am. And what Jesus is saying is he is emphatically and stating truthfully that he is God. Because the name that he gives is the same name which God gives out of the burning bush to Moses. And when you read that in Exodus, God tells Moses, tell the people my name, I am. And so any Jewish person at that time who would have read the scriptures and knew that would hear Jesus saying this, and this is why the religious leaders wanted to murder Jesus, because Jesus plainly and clearly said, I am God. And if Jesus is God, then anything he says after that counts, and therefore, I am the resurrection and the life Because I am God, I am the resurrection and the life, and all who believe in me. It's key. Know that Jesus is not saying, I am the resurrection and the life in the sense of I'm going to bring about the resurrection and the life, which he actually does, but he's saying, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus is saying he is the only one where resurrection from death to life can be found. And so none of you, no one in this world that's ever given life and breath in this world will ever find a way, a person, a method, or a miracle to save them from death to life apart from Jesus. There's nothing. You can search all you want. Some of you have searched much of your life, and some of you have come to faith in Christ, and you believe that, and some of you just may be here, and you do not believe, and you continue to search, and you do not understand that Jesus Christ is the only way that you can have life after death because Jesus is God. Look at verse 26. Jesus goes on and says, everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And he says to Martha, do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. Now, when Jesus says that everyone who believes in me shall never die, there are many people in this world today that do not have faith in Christ. They're not Christians. They're not followers of Jesus. And they go, yeah, history tells us that Jesus did live. So I believe in Jesus, so I should be saved, right? That's not what Jesus teaches. Many people can say and did when Jesus walked the earth that he's real. They saw him. They heard him. But there's a difference here when Jesus says, everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And that is through faith in Christ. Not just believing that Jesus Christ lived on this earth. And not just believing that he went to the cross. But believing in faith that Jesus is God who not only died and was buried, but on the third day was raised from death to life. And he is ruling and reigning, and he's returning one day. Jesus said this in John chapter 12, verse 46. Jesus said, I have come into the world as light, 
so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. After Jesus makes this statement, Mary comes to Jesus. And they take Jesus to the tomb. And the shortest verse in the Bible is there. Jesus sees the place where Lazarus was buried, and it says, Jesus what? Jesus wept. And they said, oh, see how he loved him. His friend, he loved him. Why couldn't he have healed him? You see, the people, they knew what Jesus had done, and they're, they're doubting the power of God, Jesus, the resurrection and the life. Look at John chapter 11. Look at verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The man who died came out his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth, Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. Imagine that. Being there and hearing and seeing the power of God. You read this and you're going, wow. You might say, how is it possible it's possible because Jesus is God. Unwrap him. Take those cloths off of him. His body had been decaying and rotting. His brain had not been functioning for four days. His heart had not been beating. Blood had not been pulsing through his veins. He was not taking a breath of air and breathing. And yet Jesus just says, Lazarus, come out. And instantly his body is healed and he stands up and comes out. Church, that is the power of God. And to know that that is what Christ does for all who are found in him, who not only believe that he was real, but believe that Jesus is God and that he is the only way that one can be saved. And again, just as Lazarus came out of the tomb, it pointed to the third day after the resurrection, after the crucifixion of Christ. Just as we read at the beginning of the service in Matthew chapter 28, that morning, the early morning, when it says the sun was coming up on the third day, um, Mary Magdalene and the women were going to the tomb and they were going to anoint Jesus with more spices and they were wondering, how are we going to open this tomb and roll away that large stone? And what happened that morning, this scripture tells us there was an earthquake. An angel came down and rolled away the tomb. Not because Jesus needed someone to roll it away, but was to show everyone that saw that Jesus wasn't there. 
The soldiers that had been around there saw the angel and fell down, passed out almost like dead, and they ran away. And Mary and the other women saw the angels just sitting on the stone. They said, hey, you're looking for Jesus, but he's not here. He is alive. He is risen. Go tell the disciples. And we read in the Gospel of John, John and Peter take off on a foot race to the tomb. And John, who's riding it, says, hey, and I passed up Peter and I won. Peter goes into the tomb, though, and sees that the cloth that Jesus has been wrapped with is just laying there, and the, his body is gone. And later that day, Jesus appears to them. That morning when Mary was there in the garden, she's speaking to who she thinks is the gardener and says, please tell me where you laid his body. And he turns to her and says, Mary. And she's like, Rabbi. And they see Jesus Christ risen from death to life. And as I reflected this week on that and thought about the resurrection of Christ, I asked one question for us to end with. A question is this, what if Christ had not risen from the dead? Think about this for a minute. This is a serious question you should consider. What if Jesus Christ was still in the tomb, just like all the religious leaders of this world? What if Jesus Christ had not risen from the dead? If Jesus Christ had not risen from the dead, the work that he accomplished on the cross for his people would not be completed. There would be forgiveness of sin, but there would be no eternal life. And so I put down these four things that we see from Scripture. Without the resurrection of Christ, number one, we would still be in our sins legally. Well, what do you mean by that? Read 1 Corinthians 15 this week. It's all about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17, it says, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins if Jesus Christ is still in the tomb and you believe that he's the resurrection and the life, then your faith is futile. You're wasting your time. But because Jesus Christ is risen from death to life, your faith in him saves you. Without the resurrection of Christ, we'd still be in our sins legally. Well, what do we mean by that? Why would we still be in our sins legally even though Jesus Christ died on the cross? There's this word in Scripture called, that, that, that you pronounce it justification. And this word in Scripture justification means this, that when you stand before God, that you are justified. You're standing before Him in a legally right position before God. Don't forget that God is holy. There's no sin in Him. There's no darkness. And all mankind has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Therefore, a holy God cannot have a relationship with sinful mankind. There is a barrier, which is our sinfulness. And so something has to happen. A miraculous, wonderful, glorious work must happen for the sinner to be justified so that God could see the sinner holy and righteous and have a relationship with that person. This is what it means to be justified and be found justified before the Lord God Almighty. God is the holy and just judge. Without the resurrection, there would be no justification. We would have sins forgiven, 
by the work of Christ on the cross. But God must pass the sentence of justice and justification. He's a just God. And he does this as he raises Christ from death to life. And what that means is that God saw the work of Christ on the cross and he raised him and he accepted the sacrifice that Jesus gave for his people, shedding his blood so that we could be set free from our sins. And therefore, we are justified by that resurrection Romans chapter 4, verse 23 says this, But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Without the resurrection of Christ, we would still be in our sins legally. The second thing is without the resurrection of Christ, we would still be in our sins literally. We would still be in our sins literally without faith in Christ. One is not forgiven of their sins. One is, does not receive deliverance from slavery to sin. Faith in Christ, as Ephesians 2 tells us, is what saves us. And Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 tells us that God gives us the gift of faith. So we praise him because he is the Lord of salvation. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And so we praise him because he grants us the gift of faith to believe Jesus Christ in his resurrection not only forgives us, but he delivers us from slavery to sin. The chains that shackle us to sin, that controls us, are broken in the work of Jesus Christ, in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection. Sin and slavery to sin, church, is broken by the power of Christ. And the wonderful thing is he's never said to you or I in Scripture Go and do this, this, and this so that you'll be forgiven, that you'll be set free from sin, and that you'll have eternal life. Christ does the work. And we praise Him and give Him glory for that. Without the resurrection of Christ, we would still be in our sins legally. We would still be in our sins literally. And thirdly, without the resurrection of Christ, we would have no access to God we would have no access to God. In Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, it tells us that Jesus is the firstborn of the dead, that Jesus Christ has triumphed over death, that Jesus is the only one, the only way that can make a way, a path into the presence of God through His righteousness so again, when God raised the Son from death to life and you in faith stand before Him, you have been given the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You have not done anything to make yourself righteous. Christ imputes His righteousness to you so when God the Father sees you, He sees Christ's righteousness and He says, My son, my daughter, I love you. And he's adopted you to be his own. And he's gone, Jesus said, to prepare a place for you. That when he comes again, he will take you to be in that place. Jesus is the one who opens up the door 
into the presence of God. But the fourth and final answer to the question, what if Christ had not risen from the dead, is without the resurrection of Christ, we would have no promise. We would have no promise of ever being raised from death to life. You will die. You believe that? And all who have faith in Christ and His work, His death, burial, and resurrection will also live again. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 16. Jesus says, I mean, Paul writes, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. Again, he puts out this argument that if Jesus Christ is still in the grave, then what you're doing, calling yourself a Christian, is worthless. 1 Corinthians 15, he goes on in verse 55, quoting scripture, says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin in the law. But church, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ because he is not dead, but he is risen. And even after pointing out these things and reading scripture this morning and knowing that the resurrection is at the center of redemption for God's people, there are still those who disbelieve. You see, for all who are in Christ this morning, as we do every day that follows, we celebrate, we rejoice in Jesus Christ, crucified for our sins and risen again to life so that we would live in Him. But there are still people, maybe you in this room, and you say, I don't believe yet, I want proof. And even though I gave you all kinds of proof, I can't make you ever believe that proof whatsoever. One of Jesus' followers, Thomas, said when he heard that Jesus had risen from death to life, he goes, I don't believe it. I don't care if you guys saw him. Until I see Jesus and put my fingers in the holes where his hands were, until I see Jesus and put his hand in his side, I do not believe and I will not believe. Well, here's what it says in John chapter 20. As Jesus shows up in the room, Thomas is there. It says, then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Hear this. Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So if you believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior this morning, Jesus says you're blessed. Because you've believed in faith and you haven't had to see Jesus Christ as they saw him, as Thomas saw him. And even after that, there's still people today that still don't believe that Jesus really is God. And they say he never claimed to be God. Well, I would remind you of what we've studied in the last seven weeks together. Here is what Jesus said. These are the seven I am's that are recorded in John. Jesus said this, I am the bread of life, the one who can save your hungry souls from death. Jesus said, I am the light of the world who shines the light of life into the dark souls of mankind. Jesus said, I am the door, the one who gives entrance into new life and to eternal salvation. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd who has given his life for his sheep. 
Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life because he's God. Jesus said, I am the true vine who bears fruit in his people, all for the glory of God the Father. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life who grants life to all who die in him. I'll read to you this last verse, what Jesus said to Martha. Jesus said, everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And he says, do you believe this? That is the question for you this morning, church. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life? I pray that you do. I pray that you can join Martha in verse 27. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. That has been my prayer for you this morning, church, that all who are found in Christ, you rejoice because you've believed and he's done the work to save you and you look forward to his return. You look forward to being with him for eternity, to have your soul without sin, a perfect body that's restored, joined together, glorification, and be with him for eternity. And if you're here this morning and you've come to this place and you've never believed that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he's God, that he is the only one to salvation, I can't give you a prayer to pray. You can pray and I want you to pray. You can pray and ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins. You can pray and you should pray, as the book of Romans says, to confess him as Lord and Savior. Call out to him and say, Lord, save me. And he does the work because he is God. I pray that you do believe. And for all who do believe, that you rejoice in this day. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we rejoice this morning. We give great thanks and we celebrate that your son is alive. Jesus, thank you again that you would bear all of my sins, that you would bear our sins, and that you would bear the wrath meant for us. We praise you. We give you thanks. We can't say enough. We can't sing enough. We can't do enough to thank you. We simply just say this morning, thank you for your love for us. We believe and praise you that you are alive. Father, would you save those in this room who have come into this place lost, that today would be the day of salvation for them and they would be saved. Father, I pray that in the days to come, as we long for the return of your Son, that you would give us the strength to endure that you would fill us with the hope of the empty tomb, that you would point us to your word and that we would bear the fruit of righteousness and that you would receive all the glory. We praise you, Jesus. Amen.